you so much for joining us for worship today. We're glad that you have decided to be here, and whether online or in person, we're, we're grateful. We pray you're doing well. Uh, let, let's go and just stand together, and for those that are, are new, whether you're online or in person, we're going to put a number on the screen, and if you could just text new to this number, that way we could connect with you. We would greatly appreciate it. The same goes for those that are joining us online that have not signed up in person. We uh, would love to hear from you as well, so if you could text your full name to this number, that would be wonderful. Let's worship together now.
Praise the Lord this evening. Father, we love you and we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we know that your mercy has met us where we are. Lord, that your mercy is not dependent on our own merit. Lord, but your mercy is dependent on your goodwill towards us. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that your mercy far extends the weight of our sin. Lord, that your mercy is greater than our sin. Lord, we don't deserve it, but you've given it to us, Lord, in Jesus. We thank you for that in his name. Amen. You may have a seat. Here at Blue Springs Christian Church, our mission is to guide people into a fully developed relationship with Jesus Christ together. 
And often when we talk about how we're doing those things, we talk about what we're doing here on campus or, or here in our immediate area. And we want to talk to this evening about three of our missionaries and ministries that we support all across the United States, but also around the world. The first one are the Bridges. It's a couple who used to be members at Blue Springs Christian Church who are now in Haiti at Sunlight Academy, where they are working with Haitian children at a Christian school. This organization started back in the late 80s, first as a preschool, then it grew into an elementary school, then they added a high school. And a few years ago, they added a church, which now has 400 people attending every single Sunday morning, and a Bible college where they have now graduated two classes of Haitian pastors who've now gone out and planted churches throughout Haiti. That's an amazing ministry that we're so humbled to be part of. Another one is with the Rodriguez's. They used to be a Blue Springs Christian Church couple as well, and they went on a mission trip to Arizona and came back feeling both called and perfectly equipped to go and serve the Apache um, individuals on the reservation in Arizona. They work with alcohol rehab and rehabilitation, as well as providing food on a weekly basis to those on the reservation. It's because God had equipped them with counseling degrees and experience in those areas that they knew they were the right pick. They were recently back here at Blue Springs visiting, and they made a video for us, and that video is available on our website as well as our Facebook page. I want to encourage you to go out and check out their video, see what 2020 has been like them on the, for them on the reservation. And the third one is Show Me Youth Home. It's an organization here in Missouri that supports children who are either in the foster system or soon will be, or could be. They are in homes with house parents living in a normal situation with a school right there on their campus, sports they do together, and an equestrian program that's quite strong. Usually this time of year we're announcing a Show Me Christian Christmas program here at BSCC, but Show Me has decided to cancel all of those this year due to COVID. However, we wanted to make sure that we still supplied all of the children and families that live there with gifts this Christmas. So if you've participated that in, the, that in the past, you'll get a call in the next week or so asking if you'd like to continue to do so in 2020. And if you haven't participated before, let me know and we'll sign you up to help out with gifts for that um, wonderful ministry as well. We could not be part of any of those ministries that have baptized hundreds of people over the last few years if it wasn't for your faithful giving. We thank you so much for giving faithfully through all times and especially right now. If you don't know how to give at Blue Springs Christian Church, I want to encourage you to go online or text the number on the screen and you can learn about all of our missionaries that we support under the serve area of our website as well. If you're new here to Blue Springs Christian Church, if you want to text the word new to that same number, we'd appreciate it. That'll allow us to make sure that you have the information about who BSCC is and what we represent at all times. And if you're a BSCC or joining us online, love for you to text in your names. We want to know that you're joining us online as well. Thank you. everyone. Uh, it's great, great to worship with everybody. Uh, if you're joining us online, uh, I hope you're doing well. It's great to have you with us. We're, we're continuing in our worship services and working our way through the New Testament letter, James, and uh, we're going to be looking at the second half of chapter two in this message. And in this, in this message, we're going to be looking about uh, how James challenges us to not give up in doing good. And one of the reasons that we're working our way through this through this book is James in so many places in this book challenges 
uh, the, the readers to, to not give up in, in areas that perhaps we're feeling some discouragement in or, or some weariness in, to, to, to not give up. And certainly in terms of, of, of seeking to do good with our lives, uh, we, we, we don't want to give up on that. We want to stay focused on that. And uh, there's some very important uh, verses that we're going to be looking at that speak, speak about that. And I want, to, I want to give credit to some things I read from Pastor Kyle Eidelman that were particularly helpful to me in the verses that we're going to be looking at, things I'll be sharing with you tonight. But the, the, the real challenge for us in these verses is where James writes about, in this part of the letter, how we, can, we, 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 we need to be careful that we don't get comfortable saying that, that we believe certain things, but actually then end up living in a way that is, is really quite different than that, that doesn't, doesn't reflect those beliefs. And so that's that's where we're going to be headed in our, our study of these verses. But I, I, I wanted to just kind of start with something that moves us in that direction, but that, that's kind of a little bit fun. So let me just ask you, you know, how, how important do you think it is to, you know, eat, eat well, eat, you know, have a good diet, eat healthy food and, and such? I think probably the majority of us would say, yeah, that, that's an important part of life. That's an important part of taking good care of yourself and, and things like that. Well, I came across an article here a week or two ago called uh, 25 State Fair Foods that we're going to miss this year because of uh, COVID and the state fairs not being able to be open and all these wacky food combinations that you find at these state fairs. So I thought it'd be fun to just kind of look at, at a few of these. The first one that's listed is corn dogs. And I think we've got maybe even a picture here. The, the article says these are a must-have state fair food. The classic snack takes a, a hot dog and batters it, and then the whole thing takes a swim in the deep fryer. And let's not forget that anything on a stick is just way more fun to eat. And a lot of people like topping their corn dogs with mustard or ketchup, but our favorite topping is, is melted nacho cheese. So, so that was the first one on their list of 25 state fair foods that we're going to miss this year. Goes on, number seven is cheese on a stick. Let me just say something, or read what it says here. Like corn dogs, cheese on a stick is fun to eat because it's on a stick, making it as a, a, an easy, portable snack to munch on while you explore the fair. This deep-fried favorite is just what it sounds like, a brick of cheese like you would get at the grocery store, placed on a stick, covered in corn batter, and fried to golden brown perfection. The first bite of cheese on a stick is always the best because of the massive cheese pull. I know you want me to read all of them, but I'm just going to read one more here. Uh, over on number 21 of the list of 25, we find deep fried candy bars. As if things couldn't get any more indulgent on the list, in come deep fried candy bars. These state fair staples are sold across the country. No matter what kind of candy bar you, ch you choose to get from Snickers to Payday or even Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, all of them start out the same way. The vendor puts each candy piece on a stick, covers it in a thin batter, and then plunges it into the deep fryer until the batter is brown and the candy bar is almost molten. The candy bar is usually served with powdered sugar and chocolate syrup for an even more of a sugar rush. Don't you miss the state fairs, you know? Yum, yum. But, you know, eating right, I think, exercising could be a couple of examples uh, of how we are inconsistent and we say we, we believe something is important, but we, we, we do something different, you know, and, uh, and don't actually, you know, live out that, that belief or what we say. And this is really where James goes in this part of the letter and having us examine our lives in, in a much more spiritual way. We'll start with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And so the question is asked in a way that implies the answer is going to be, be no, no. Faith is more than what it is that you say, that you know we can say we believe something and kind of talk a good game, but, but is there really... Is there really any evidence to that, that that, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean my faith is genuine just because of what it is that I say? And so as we begin to get into this text, I would like for you to imagine a pendulum, and I think we're going to put a picture up just to kind of help us visualize and think about a pendulum that you know, swings back and forth, and we're going to call this the pendulum of faith. And so in this pendulum of faith, on, on one side we have works. And on the other side of the pendulum of faith, then we have 
belief. Works and belief, this, this, this pendulum of faith. And what I want to describe to you is what kind of traditionally has happened really from the first century, because James writes about this in the letter up to today, is that, that, that oftentimes people will swing that pendulum too far in one direction or another, and we get out of balance in our life. And this is what James is really warning us about and trying to help us, you know, recognize and not allow to happen in our lives. So, so when that pendulum of faith swings too far over here toward works, that's called legalism. And Paul, much of write, what he writes about in the New Testament is, is about that very dangerous uh, faith or or way of approaching life. Legalism is about the idea that my efforts and my good works win God's favor and somehow win His, his love for me. And if I do, do enough of, of, of these good things, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to be saved and, and even be able to go to heaven. In fact, I feel like if we did a poll of Americans and we said, if you believe in heaven, how do you think we get there? The number one answer would be, by, you know, doing uh, enough good things, by doing more good things. You know, he, he's, he was a good person. I, I know he's in heaven. She, she, you know, was a good person in the way she lived her life. She's in heaven. This, this idea that, that, is, that is legalism. And again, Paul writes a lot about that in the New Testament. If you were to read uh, the book of Galatians, that, that would be a, a book that he really dedicates to addressing when the pendulum of faith swings way over here. But the pendulum of faith can then also swing way over here. And there's a word that we're going to use, a phrase to describe kind of the opposite of legalism that James writes about in this text. And it's called easy believism. Easy believism is this idea that if I believe, if if I say I believe, I can really live any way I want. That if I, if, I, if I believe in Jesus, I, I, I can do anything I want. I, I, I can, you know, make any kind of decisions or, or lifestyle choices I want because I, I believe. That's, that's easy believism. And that's what James gets into in this part of the letter. That, that warning, that, 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 that lie that obviously some of these Jewish Christians, as we talked about, okay, who is he writing to? The 12 tribes scattered throughout all around uh, uh, James 1 1 that they, they had they had bought into this 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 lie that I you know I, I can say I believe this but then live any way that I want and I do think this is a relevant scripture for us as well and something that I think God wants to speak to us about in, in our own lives to to be warned about that I think uh, unfortunately today there's also that temptation that that draw, I, I, I would say it's a, 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 a part of the, you know, the deception of the evil one that, you know, you can believe and then live any way that you want. And whether or not that actually is reflective of what you say you believe. And this is such a, a dangerous thing. And so in verse 14, again, James says, as we get into this text, look, be careful that you don't mistake your words for, for faith. That you say you believe something. Is there any evidence of that? Is there, is there any indication by the way in which you're living? He, he asked that question. Then he gives us a really practical example of this in the next couple of verses here. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without food or without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And so we'll come back to verse 17 in a minute. But you know, you, you know somebody who's hurting and you can do something about it, but you don't. And you just say, you know, you might say, hey, bless you, or I'm praying for you, but there's something you can do, but you don't. What good are those words, James says? And you know what? You might even have a sincere feeling of concern for that person. You, you, you might even say to them, I, I, I'm sorry for what it is that you're going through, but you, you, you don't do anything and, and you could. That's not faith, James says. And here's what I think happens for many Christians. We confuse our feelings with faith. That we sort of let ourselves off the hook because we, we have compassion for somebody who's going through something. 
And, and, and we, we kind of pat ourselves on the back because when somebody's going through a difficult time, we can get a little bit emotional about that and we can feel compassion for them. But the question is, do we do anything about it? When we have the opportunity and we can do something about it, do we? And so this is what James is wanting us to understand here, that faith is more than what I feel. That my feelings only really become faith when I, when I act on those feelings. When I, when I do something. You, you can feel sad for somebody that's going through a difficult time, but that's not faith unless you, unless you do something about, about those feelings. And I think probably all of us have seen commercials before where there'll be, you know, pictures of children living in extreme poverty. They have these bloated stomachs. They're, 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 they're starving, and it's just, it's just heart-wrenching. But, but faith is not, you know, feeling pity for those children. Faith is sponsoring one of those children. That's faith. And so James says here, look, it's, it's not how you feel. It's what it is that you do with those feelings. And then coming back to verse 17, he puts it this way. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? He says it's dead. It's not alive. So we, the question that we would need to ask ourselves as we work our way through this part of the letter is, is my faith alive or dead? And I, I think we probably would all say, well, I mean, it, it's alive. But what we need to do is we th then need to follow up and ask ourselves, are there vital signs that there is life here? Is there, is there, you know, exhibit A that we can point back to last week that is an indication that the faith is, is alive and active? Is there, is, there is there action to back up the belief, the, you know, saying that we believe? We, could, we can have a, uh, a very attractive-looking faith, a, a Mercedes type of looking faith, but if there's no gas in the car, it's not going anywhere. It, it's, 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 not, it's not real. James says it's, it's, it's dead. It doesn't really mean anything. He says faith without deeds is like a corpse. And then he goes on in the next verse here, verse 19. Or it, he says, you believe that there is one God good. Even de demons believe that and shudder. So I just want to you know, kind of pose some questions here. How what percentage of Americans would you say you know, believe that God uh, exists? The latest poll that I saw was 87%. I think that was in 2019, a Gallup poll. 87%. Another question. What percentage of Americans believe that Jesus is God's son? This, the most recent poll I could find, find was a Barna poll, and that, this was concerning. It said 56%. But one, one more question. What, what percentage of demons believe that God exists and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 100%. De demons are not atheists. They are not agnostic. They, they have a, a, a mental and understanding of who God is. They, they, they have a knowledge uh, 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 of, of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the Son of God. But that knowledge does not bring them to a place of salvation. Instead, what does it say? James says here, they... They, they, they shudder. And so this is what James wants us to understand here. Faith is also more than what I, than what I know. And I want to come back to this illustration of you know, physical fitness and, and uh, exercise and eating right again. So the gym I worked out of for many years had pictures on the wall. I think there was about five or six different individuals there, but there were before and after pictures of each of them. And they were people, guys and ladies, who either worked out in that gym for a long time. Some of them were the trainers there in the gym. But the before picture, of course, was before they began working out at that gym or, or kind of got serious about their physical fitness. And then some of these after pictures, they were quite dramatic, you know, in the, in, in the change of the physical appearance of the individuals that made it up on the wall there uh, with a before and after picture. So these individuals, there were some things that they had to know, some things they had to learn about how to use the machines, you know, what, what would be a good exercise schedule, you know, how, how many, what muscles to work, what, what days of the week, when, when to rest, and just a, a pattern for exercising, learn some things about uh, nutrition as well and, and diet and de these kinds of things. They had to, they had to know these kinds of things, but, but a knowledge alone of those things, really, that wasn't what brought the transformation about. 
in their lives. What, what brought the transformation about was when they put that knowledge into action and they began to exercise and they began to eat right and they really, they really just changed the way in which they lived. And so, you know, knowledge of God, knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of, of the scriptures is so very important. But that alone is not going to bring about a transformation in our lives. I, I think for many of us, the problem is not really an information problem. It's, it's, a, it's an application problem in our lives, be it coming to a place of salvation or a sanctifying, growing faith that we have in Christ. That, that it's not that we need you know, to know more and more and more. It's that we need to live out what it is that, that we know that we need to be living out and demonstrating our faith in our daily life. And this is what James is getting at in this part of the letter. And then he gives us two examples of what that looks like, how, how you can be confident that your faith is genuine, that it is real. And the first one's kind of a predictable example, I would say. It's Abraham. Let me read this to you. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. I want to read that again, that phrase. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And so what Abraham believed and what he did made him a person of faith. Now, as you look at, into the scriptures here, you find out that James is actually writing about two different moments in Abraham's life in these verses. And this is so important for us to understand that in Genesis chapter 22 is where we find the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac on the altar as, as a test of, of his faith in God. And, and the Bible says that as the knife was coming down, then an angel of the Lord stops his hand and says, now I know that you fear God. And he passes that that, that, that test there in, in showing that God was most important to him, more important to him than, than Isaac. And that, that was in Genesis chapter 22. That happened 20 plus years after what James writes about in verse 23 of our text, which occurred in Genesis chapter 15 we read about. This, this is where Abraham is new in his relationship with God. In fact, he's, his name has not been changed yet by God. It's still Abram. And God says to him, you're going to have a son with Sarah, and he's going to become your heir. And this was very difficult for Abraham to believe because Sarah at this point was in her 70s. He was in his 80s. They'd not yet been able to have children together. I'm not sure I would want to at that stage of life. But, but anyway, God says to him, not only are you going to have a son, but your descendants are going to be as great as the, the stars in the sky and as, as, as great as the, the sand on the seashore. And so we come to verse 6. Let me read it for you, Genesis 15. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This, this is what James quotes here. And so the faith decision of Abraham to be declared right before the Lord to have his relationship with God made right by the grace of God happens right here in Genesis chapter 15. He, he, he becomes a friend of God. His conversion happens right here by his, his faith, not by his works, but by his faith because of the grace of God bestowed upon him. So that being the case, why does James make such a big deal about something that happens 20 plus years later in Abraham's life? Here's why. Listen closely. When Abraham sacrificed, when he obeys God with his, his son Isaac, he, he, was, he was authenticating that his faith was, was, was real. It, it, was, it was genuine. That act of obedience, you see, demonstrated that the faith that he had was the real deal. And that's the point that James is making here. Take a look at this. The evidence that I've been saved by God's grace and through my faith is my good works. It's is the, the good works that I do. If there is a genuine faith, not, not a 
a fictitious faith that maybe is based on my knowledge alone or based upon my emotion alone, but a, a real faith that is, that is part, it's a conscious choice of my will to receive what Jesus did for me on the cross and make him the Savior and the Lord of my life, that faith will be manifested through works of obedience. Faith saves us, works confirms that. That's what James is teaching us here. And he uses the example of Abraham, but then I love how he also uses the example of Rahab, a Gentile. Let me read this verse. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. So Rahab lived in Jericho, which was one of the cities that the, the Israelites conquered as they inhabited the promised land. And Rahab believed the stories that she heard of God's salvation of the Hebrew people. And so when the Israelite spies came then, she, she uh, guarded them and, and uh, hid them from her own people and then lowered them down on a rope so that they could escape and get away. And so, in, and so through these, these acts that she did, she demonstrated that she had a true, genuine faith. And so James lifts her up as well, as does Hebrews, uh, we find in Hebrews 11 as well, her name. Now he ends chapter 2 in this way. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. And so the question for you and me is this, what is the evidence of our faith? Is there, is there, is there evidence of your faith. I, I know that you and I, we might be able to say the right things. We might even feel the right way as well. But what would be, you know, exhibit A from this past week that your faith is, is real, is genuine? If people were going to point to your faith, what, what would they point to? Would they point maybe to that missionary that overseas that you support each month? Would they support to those kind words that you said to that discouraged coworker last week? Would they point to the way that you live with your family, the way you are in your home with your family? What, what, what would they point to? What is the evidence of your faith? When Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7, he uses the, the illustration of a tree that bears no fruit. And he's talking about how, how you can tell whether or not a person's faith is genuine. And he says, you know, if, if they say they have faith and they, they talk about a certain faith that they have, just look at their fruit. Just look at the way in which they live their life. This is what Jesus did. And he ends this part of this teaching in this way in verse 19 of Matthew 7. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so, friend, I just want to say to you in love, you know, if the tree of your faith has no fruit, if there's nothing that you can really point to as evidence that you have been saved by God's grace through your faith, that, that's a problem. That, that, that's, you know, alarming. Michael Novak is a Catholic philosopher, and I mentioned, I mentioned Kyle Adelman in, in some things I read. One of the things I read from him was, was about uh, Michael Novak, that he, he um, talks about how we have three different kinds of belief, and this, this was helpful to me, maybe it's helpful to you. He talks about how we have a public belief, that we, we have things that, that we present out in public that, that we want people to think about us, but they're, they're really not true. Uh, they're not true beliefs, uh, but we, we, we want people to think it, so we might say certain things about our family or about our finances or, or whatever it might be. Things that we really don't believe, but, but, uh, but we want others to think that, that they are true. And then, then we have private beliefs, and these would be beliefs that are, I mean, we're sincere about these beliefs. Uh, we're genuine in thinking that they are true, but when those beliefs get tested, 
reality shows that we don't truly believe them. And a story for us in the Bible about this would be Peter, the night that Jesus gets arrested and he says to him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, that you, that you even know me. And Peter's like, there is no way, Lord, I would do that. I mean, the other disciples may do that. I would never forsake you and abandon you. I would never let that happen. And, of course, we know what happened, that he didn't actually truly believe that. Do you think he sincerely thought, I mean, believed that, that he believed that? Yes, yes, I think he did. But reality did not bear that out. But then there are, he says, Michael Novak says, there are, there are core beliefs. And these are, are really the only, the true beliefs that we have because we live them out. It's, it's, it's how we live that shows that these are truly the things that we believe. It's, it, it's not just something that we say we believe. It's not just some, a way that we feel. But our life demonstrates this is truly what we believe. And so genuine faith is belief in action. I want to just say that again. Genuine faith is belief in action. And this is what James teaches us here and what he challenges us here about. And so, friends, if, if your faith was put to the test, what would, what would you find? I think a lot of us would be able to say the right things and, again, maybe have you know, certain feelings. But do we put our faith into action? The effectiveness of this message and really any message that has to do with, with the Word of God is what do we do with what we have heard? What will you do tomorrow? How will you live in the days to come? I've, I've been praying and I, and I just hope that, that all of us will respond in a way that we, we demonstrate in, in, in many ways. We, we demonstrate that our faith is alive. Our, our faith in Jesus is real. It, it is genuine. It's alive and well. For some of you, you have faith in Jesus and the work of salvation that he purchased for you through his death on the cross for your sins. You, you, you believe in that, but you've not demonstrated your faith by being baptized into him. And so I would invite you to respond in this way. That if you've not been baptized, would you put your faith into action? in this way and we're going to put a number up on the screen whether you're in the room or, or online if you'd like to talk with one of our ministers about being baptized or you have any questions about your faith uh, about Jesus you can just text the word response to that number and one of our ministers will reach out to you I want to close with a, a very famous quote from St. Francis of Assisi where he said preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you have demonstrated your love for us. There are songs of worship. We, we sang about that. Greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. And that is exactly what you have done for us. I pray for everyone who's participating in this time of worship that in whatever way that you want to speak to us through your Holy Spirit and have been speaking to us that we would say yes. That if there's some ways we've been convicted about where we have said we believe something but we're, we're living in a way that, that is not reflecting that belief that, that God, we would, we would line our lives back, back up right. That, God, we, we understand as James writes these words, he, he's wanting to move that pendulum back down to the middle, back down to the center, that pendulum of faith. That we would live in such a way that expresses our love and thanksgiving to you for the salvation that is ours through, through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. That we would demonstrate that faith in our, in our homes, in our work, in our witness, Lord. Lead us, grow us toward this end through your Holy Spirit. We pray these things for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all who agree said, Amen.
Church, as we sing this song, I want to remind us of the fact that we can put our hope, we can put our faith in Jesus because he has overcome the grave and that same spirit is alive in us. So let's stand together as we sing.
have a seat. And as you're doing that, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter five, where it says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We know that he doesn't call us to a life of faith for nothing, that that, that has a purpose, that that has a meaning, that that faith has an eternal purpose, it, that other people are watching and they're seeing what we're doing because there's freedom in that. There's freedom in walking with the Lord and walking as the Lord wants us to walk. And so let's remember that tonight. Even, even when it seems like the worst of the worst is upon us, we still know that there's hope because of, because of Jesus. And so let's, let's take communion together. I hope you grabbed a cup. Let's go and take the top off and we're gonna just eat the bread in remembrance of the body that was broken. Once you've had the chance to remember the body that was broken, let's also drink together in remembrance of the blood that was shed. Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for the life of faith, Lord, that you demonstrated for us. Father, we know that that, that life of faith is something that, that has works just as part of it, Lord. Lord, that, that you are calling us and molding us, Lord, you're shaping us more into your image. Father, we believe what you say is true, Lord. We, we believe your word. Lord, we trust you. Help us to, to act upon that trust. Lord, help us not to become stagnant. Help us not to just uh, be sayers or knowers of the word, but Lord, help us to be doers of the word, Lord. Father, just as Jesus himself was faithful until the, until the end, Lord, help us also to be faithful to you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Now, thank you again so much for joining us and we pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, if you need anything, please let us know whether you're online or in person. It was so great to see you. Uh, we will see you next week. If you could just stay put, uh, there's going to be an usher that's going to come and dismiss you. Thank you.